You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Well, we're going to start in 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to be 1 Peter, and we're going to look at chapter 1, uh, verses 13 through 16. We got uh, Bibles being handed out if you need one. By all means, man, get it. If you don't have one at the house, and you don't have a Bible, then that's our gift to you, because it's important. Give you a little bit to flip there. First Peter um, 1, 13 through 16. That's for the youth. I have to repeat things a lot for you guys. <laughs> Nothing. Exactly. Exactly. All right. It says this. Therefore, give us some context. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your, your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, this is your word, Lord, and it's a command from you, Lord. I just ask that today we would be able to make sense of what holiness is in the life of a Christian uh, in a world that is um, just messed up, Lord, a world that has so many different viewpoints and so many different ideas and and theories that just are um, running rampant. Lord, I just pray that today uh, you would help us be able to single out uh, godly character and apply it into our lives, Lord, to put you first in all that we do, Lord, and to chase after you, um, because one day we're going to stand face to face with you for eternity, uh, and this life is but a vapor in the wind, Lord. So I just ask, um, help us by your Holy Spirit uh, to be able to, um, to learn and to grow in you today, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> be holy, for I am holy. Be holy, for I am holy. All right, this is our topic for today, uh, holiness, and um, this is why it's been heavy on my heart, uh, because much too often do we see worldviews loud into the church. And it's been big here lately, and we've been seeing worldviews loud into the church, and personal holiness is under attack. Um, being the youth pastor, I get to see firsthand um, people make fun of people for trying to pursue holiness uh, in the schools and all around. And, and uh, what's even crazier, some of this stuff can even come from within the church. All right? It bothers me to talk to people all right, who are pressured to fit in with the crowd at the expense of personal holiness or personal purity. And that bothers me a lot. Right? And it's crazy to think that uh, many churchgoers today um, don't know the difference between right and wrong in the eyes of the Lord. So that's why we're talking about holiness. So if you're taking notes today, uh, write this down. This is point number one. Write this down. Holiness, its meaning, its purpose, and its importance. Holiness, its meaning, its purpose, and its importance. All right, first, its meaning. Holiness, its meaning. We're going to start at the beginning and do a real quick overview. Holy right, is introduced first in the Bible 
Right? We see it first in the Bible with Moses. Right? Moses comes across the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. God says, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for this place where you stand is holy ground. All right, this place where you stand is holy ground. And the word here all right, is, in the Hebrew, it's called, or it is, kodesh. All right, kodesh. And it means apartness, holiness, sacredness, separateness. And the general meaning that we have today is set apart. All right, when we say holy, it's set apart. All right, and this is the way we continue to see the word throughout the rest of the Bible. All right, for over... Not 500 times, not 600 times, but for over 700 times we see this word and derivatives of this word used, right? Over 700 times. So write that down if you're taking notes. Over 700 times. Over 700 times, all right? And in the back of the youth room, I wrote this phrase a long time ago. It says, holiness does not fit in. It stands out because holiness in itself means to be set apart. Holiness does not fit in, it stands out. And that's where we get its purpose. All right, so point two, its purpose. Holiness is the purpose of holy. Being holy was very uh, important, and it was the, the way for God and God's people to be distinguished from the rest of the world. All right? uh, there in Exodus, we see the angel of the Lord right, sending himself aside to Moses as the one true God. Because you got to remember, Moses was raised in the palace of Pharaoh. Therefore, he was raised right, in the ideology or the uh, thousands of gods that the, Egypt- the Egyptians had. That was his background. So Moses, right, God was making himself right, known to Moses, who would be unfamiliar with God. Right, that's why God told him to remove his sandals, because he didn't want Moses to intrude, right? irrationally intrude, uh, unprepared into the presence of God. He didn't want him to do that. So God told him to take off his sandals to give him a sense of holiness. All right, later uh, in Leviticus, or in Leviticus, in Exodus, we'll see uh, whole people groups being made holy or set apart as God pulls his people, uh, the Israelites, out of Egypt, out of the view of the world. He pulls them out and sets them apart in the wilderness, and they have become holy unto him. And then we'll see it even continue on, even to small things, as we see in First Kings, utensils being set apart for a specific purpose. Right, the Bible has no lack uh, whatsoever of information about holiness. The Bible has no lack of holiness, but what's crazy is the lack of holiness for God's people, and the lack of holiness in God's people today. All right. Uh, holiness is very important, point three, important to the Lord. Let's write that down. Importance. Holiness right, is incredibly important to God. I mean, because God himself right, is most holy. He is completely set apart from creation. Uh, Revelation 4, uh, verse 8 puts it this way. He says, He is the Lord. Or he is the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And holiness for his people is very important to him. Important, extra emphasis. Very important to him. 
Right, we have been given a path to walk. Right, that is to set us apart unto a holy kingdom. As a Christian, we are called to be holy to our, for our Lord is holy, to set ourselves apart from the things of the world and pursue Jesus. Right, for the source of our holiness is found in Christ. The source of our holiness is found in Christ. For those note-takers, we're going to move on to our main point, number two. All right? Write this down. Our source of holiness is found in Jesus Christ. And then, I am justified through the blood of Jesus. Let me get an amen. I am justified through the blood of Jesus. Uh, come on. Amen. Amen. I am justified through the blood of Jesus. All right? As a true believer, right, we are 100% justified through the blood of Jesus, and made holy through our position in him, because we're sons and daughters. All right? Justified, quick way to remember this is, just as if I'd never sinned. I'll let you write that down. Just as if I'd never sinned. <clears throat> God looks at us and sees the finished work of the cross. That's powerful. All right, God looks at you and me as a believer and sees the finished work of the cross. The actions of Jesus have been bestowed upon us. It's complete. We are justified. It, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. All right, this is called positional sanctification. You can write that down. I know I'm bombarding you with notes. I'm sorry. All right, this is called positional sanctification. All right. This means that all believers have been redeemed, cleaned, all right, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven and made righteous through our surrender to the Lord, all right, justified and purified, we are sons and daughters of God. Who was that? I love you. I love you all, but a little bit more for you. <laughs> I'll just play it. I'll just play it. Sanctification, all right, sanctified through Christ once and for all. Dude, that's glorious. That is wonderful, all right? And that's incentive. So you can write this down. Incentive. I don't, know, I don't tell you to write down a whole bunch of stuff. Incentive. All right, this should be enough. All right, incentive for any believer, anybody to, that calls on the name of the Lord to put all of their life upon the Lord for what he has done for us. All right, Paul says this, to paraphrase, he says that it is logical for us to live a life holy and set apart from the ways of the world and renewed in Christ. It is logical for the believer to look different from the world around it because of what Jesus has done for us. It is logical for us to have distinctive qualities that are set apart from non-believers. Logical. So to help us um, with our pursuit and holiness, uh, we're going to look at a list that I've made and um, break it down into five characteristics of what holiness is not. All right, so five characteristics of what holiness is not. It might be confusing, but it is not. And the five characteristics of what holiness looks like. 
All right. First, five characteristics of what holiness is not. One, holiness is not mere rule keeping. Holiness is not mere rule keeping. Now, Jesus had some words for the scribes and the Pharisees uh, that I'm sure uh, caught them off guard. Matthew uh, 5.20, Jesus said this, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you look better than those people who have devoted their entire life to looking really good, uh, you're out of luck. (laughs) Pretty much. That's crazy. But then also we read, uh, if you love me, uh, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And uh, we are called to obedience. As a Christian, we're called to obey. Uh, but uh, this is different than just simply keeping, uh, keeping the rules. There's more, than, more to it than just uh, having good morals or being a nice person. The Pharisees were outwardly incredibly clean and set apart, but inwardly incredibly dark to the point to where they uh, put the Lord our Lord Jesus, to death on the cross. Outwardly, they looked wonderful, but inwardly, they had no expression at all. And it's it's crazy. Um, The problem is uh, that they had a holy checklist, and we can tend to find ourselves here as well. I know I can, um, and I'm sure most of you can uh, agree with me, that we can make a holy checklist, um, and the the problem is uh, we can also completely lose the whole reason for holiness is, or for what holiness is. Uh, if Christianity is only about a checklist of good, of good deeds or good habits, then there are some really good moral atheists out there uh, that would be better Christians than you and I. If it were only about our ability to look outwardly good, then there's some really good, non-safe people out there that are better than I am. Better than you are. Uh, but it's not about that. All right? Uh, there's more. It's about being subject to the gospel message in your heart. And it's much more than looking clean on the outside. It's being cleaned by Jesus on the inside. <laughs> Amen. Making a good person chart uh, to become a good person isn't going to end in you being a good person. All right? We are not justified through the law. All right? But by but condemned by it. Good deeds should be tethered to love for the Lord. Uh, there's a quote by this, uh, he's an older, um, you know, you know, dead guy. Uh, <laughs> real old. <laughs> As a quote, it says, he says, gratitude and joy led them to do good works before the thought of having to do them ever crossed his mind. It means, man, Knowing and accepting what the Lord has done for him has led him in the pursuit of holiness before thinking, oh, there's commands that I have to follow. He's like, oh, I'm already doing that because I love the Lord. I'm chasing him down. Uh, Point two. Well, holiness is is not. Holiness is not dependent on age or past experiences. A misconception that I've heard uh, really is here recently that is that uh, certain things no longer apply to certain people. Um, due to age or past experience. An example of this and how it was brought to me was uh, because 
I've been married before, even though now I'm divorced and dating this other lady, it's okay for us to live together because I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, first question, are you an adult or are you a child of God? Is that, there's a difference. Are you an adult or are you a child of God? Uh, secondly, I'd like to say that the lack for establishing godly principles in that relationship is already not good. Right, and the danger, right, there's danger in that relationship failing. And third, your past does not define your future. And your age does not denounce your need for personal holiness. It doesn't do it. In Philippians, Paul says this. He says, but one thing I do. All right, well, let's start back. It says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do all right, is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing in Paul's past was going to stop him from a future pursuit of the Lord or for holiness. Nothing at all. Nothing was going to stop him. No virtuous deed, right? no achievement, because he had a lot, counts him as rubbish. No achievement, and then also no sin and no failure. All right? No life experienced would be used by Paul all right, to justify present lack for holiness. He wasn't going to do it. All right, three, holiness is not generic spirituality. Holiness is not generic spirituality. Oh, yeah. And what I mean here is that generic spirituality uh, can be a common, hyper-spiritual person that doesn't really even have godly-centered direction or God-centered morals. Uh, you can walk down Pear Shopping Center, and I would encourage you to do this if you can fun. <laughs> Walk in a Hobby Lobby and be like, hey, you a spirit? People are going to be like, yeah, man, I'm a spirit. I'm like, All right, do you know Jesus? No, nah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to go ask somebody else now. <laughs> All right, people have a general sense of spiritual things. All right, but not everybody understands the spirits, our spirits, are from the Lord. Right? As a Christian, spiritual holiness is growing in character, right? growing in the character of Jesus Christ right? by the truth of God. Right? True spirituality is to be transformed by the Holy Spirit right? through our communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, right? not found in finding your spirit animal. What are you, like a zebra or something? <laughs> I'm a giraffe. That's why I am. I'm a giraffe. It's not found in finding your spirit animal. All right. Holiness, point four. Four, holiness is not finding your true self. Oh, yeah. It's not finding your true self. Today, right, it's really big to be true to yourself and everything will be all right. I mean, that's like the biggest thing pushed by media. Be true to who you are. Just be true to who you are. All right, you can say in some sense, march to the beat of your own drum. You guys experience, it's not very good, <laughs> but that helps me. All right, what if 
the beat of your drum is offbeat with the drum of the creator of the universe. That's likely, all right? What if your drum is offbeat with the God of the universe? Today, it seems like we can be uh, quick, myself guilty, also quick to neglect and sometimes even reject God's call for holiness and separation just simply because it feels right or feels natural. Uh, But God's word says that the natural man is against God. The natural man is against God, even to the point that the things of God are foolish to him. All right? I can understand the desire for wanting to be yourself because it's, I mean, you are who you are to some extent. But if our personal desires are left unchecked all right, by the Spirit uh, in our lives, then we are in trouble, and really so are the people around us. I'll tell you why. I, myself, and you'll be surprised by this, all right, <laughs> can be naturally hostile. And I got a little bit of aggression in me. <laughs> a little bit. I can be a naturally hostile person. Right? And without the Holy Spirit's check or help in my life, he's here to help me. He's the helper. Right? Without his help in my life, I can be crazy. Uh, but I'm pretty sure my wife appreciates me looking to the Lord, to the Lord, right? instead of myself for personal enlightenment. I can only... You know, I know 100%. She's like, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) But the battle is real. The battle is definitely real. Culture is huge. Culture has a huge voice. Being a youth pastor, I get to experience this firsthand. Man, I see culture have influences on people like crazy. You wouldn't even think, and they don't even know. But culture is influencing them. It's, It's absurd. All right. Culture. Our culture is a huge voice. Pretty much all worldly areas of media, our media in itself is not bad and can be used to promote godly character and holiness and all kinds of awesome Christian things. But all areas of worldly media are all about you are perfect just as you are. I see that all over the place. You are perfect just as you are. And the, the argument of this is how I was born. All right. This is how I was born. But does that make sin right in the eyes of God? No, it doesn't. David wrote this. He said, I was born in the iniquity of my father. I was born in the iniquity of my father, but those sins were not his ambitions. It was not his personal calling on his life to be a sinner. Hmm. Read about David's life. You'll see that he was not a perfect person, and we're not perfect people. All right? But David's life, uh, he had a heart for the Lord, all right? and he had a heart pursuing righteousness. All right? The world is um, trying to hit that pretty hard, because the world, believe it or not, does have its own sense of holiness. The world is all about being different. All right? It's all about being different, but... Uh, it's not about godliness. And you see the world saying, hey, man, be different this way. And the problem is you have a whole bunch of people being different in the same way. <laughs> Doesn't make them different. You're just the same as that other dude who's being different. I don't know, man. It's crazy. All right, but the, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible makes it clear in many places that apart from God, there is no hope for personal holiness. Um, The Bible says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. 
But then just right before this, it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. Man. All right. We've got to understand that just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. And if it's contradictory to God's word, then it is not right for your personal holiness. All right. The spirit of God in our lives all right, is to put us to your work in a unique way. Now, let me rephrase that because I jumbled it up really bad. All right. It's the spirit of God in our lives that puts us to use in unique ways. It's not finding our purpose. It's the spirit of God that puts us to use and makes us unique. All right. But, you know, with all that to say, go on, trust in yourself, lean on your own understanding. I'm going to step back while you get schmited. <laughs> I had to use that word. I just had to. All right, point five. Holiness, holiness is not the way of the world. Holiness is not the way of the world. All right, God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has always been and will always be the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and the alpha and the omega. There is none but him. He is God, and he will always be. All right, so why would I think today that things are different? Because the world's going in a different direction? No, why would I think that? All right, just because it's relevant in modern culture doesn't mean that it's healthy biblical character for our personal holiness. Sure, some things will change. Your hair might fall out. You might wear skinny jeans. All right? Cultural things change. All right? But God's standards for holiness isn't one of those culturally shapeable qualities. Can't shake my head hard enough. <laughs> it's not. It's not one, all right? To be set apart unto Christ is to act different from what is around you, all right? You can go through the same, you can't go through the same process as the world and expect a godly outcome from it. If you're acting like the world, you're going to get the world. That's just, I think you can study physics and get that. I'm not sure. Good luck. All right. Uh, story a couple days ago, or I say a couple days ago, I think it was like last Sunday, I had a couple of girls expressing their desire for uh, a godly boyfriend. I mean, I'm a youth pastor, okay, I get that stuff. <laughs> They're like, I just want a godly boyfriend. And, but you know, my question would be, my question is, all right, what are you doing to promote yourself? You know, this can be relevant for youth and it can be relevant for adults today. What are you doing to promote yourself? Because we have all these areas of media where we're promoting things. And one of the biggest things that I see, and I just have to talk about it, is I will see girls, um, mostly girls, standing in front of a mirror with their phone. They're like, <laughs> all right, they're standing in front of the mirror, and then they put their phone in front of their face and take a picture. Bro, what do you see? Don't do that. That's not good, man. You're not promoting godly character, all right? And the point is, you can't operate in the way of the world and expect a godly outcome. Right? Ask yourself, what does this promote and will it be edifying? Will it be building up of good character? Holiness comes from promoting the character of Jesus. All right? That's when the outcome will change. Not by, we'll do an overview, not by all right, needing, needing, keeping the rules begrudgingly. Right? There's no heart change in that. Not by excluding yourself from rules because you've already messed up. 
All right? God still and will always have a perfect work for your life. All right? Not by generic hyper-spiritualism. Our holiness comes from the truth and transformation of God's word and God's spirit in our lives as we're washed by him. All right? For not by finding your true self. Yourself needs to be consumed by the Holy Spirit and renewed in the mind. All right? And five, all right? not by the way of the world. We are called to be salt and light in a dark world. That's in the world, but not of the world. And those are the five characteristics of what holiness is not. Now we're going to move on to the five characteristics of what holiness looks like. Oh, yeah. Five characteristics of what holiness looks like. Point one. All right. This is where it gets awesome. Holiness looks like the renewal of God's image in his people. Holiness looks like the renewal of God's image in God's people or in his people. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, all right? but that image was marred and distorted when Adam ate from the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And uh, men then continued to be nothing but evil. In Genesis uh, the Lord says, the, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man. Bro. That's a youth term. Bro. The Lord was sorry that he made man. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. The goal to sanctification is the restoring of the image of God back into his creation. All right? Colossians puts it this way. Put on the new man. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of the creator, of he who created him. We are to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of God, our creator, not according to culture. Not according to culture around us. All right, this means every now and then, maybe more than not, put down Facebook and pick up God's book. Put down Facebook, pick up God's book. That's a heart stab for me, man. YouTube all day. <laughs> Lord, help me. <laughs> it is. All right. It starts, all right, we are to start growing as Christians, and we should have a desire. Um, and if we're not, we should start growing in true righteousness and holiness, and that's seeking Jesus. But it doesn't happen all at once. Um, to be transformed, or we are to be transformed into the image of God uh, more and more as we seek and walk with him. So we've got to seek and walk with him. God is one million, trillion, bazillion percent holy, infinitely holy, all right? Holy, and we are made in his image, called to be with him, all right? So it's incredibly important for us to seek out and know the character and the, the works, the good works, right, of the one we worship. 
We need to seek out and know the character of the one we worship. Is that helps us worship him with the knowledge and truth of who he is. And that helps us open up our hearts to his goodness and, and receive blessings from him because we're in his knowledge and he's pouring out truth onto our lives. So, man, it's incredibly important. Point two, I almost held up a three. <laughs> I did, I know. Huh? Point two. Holiness looks like a life marked by godly character instead of worldly vices. Holiness looks like a life marked with godly character instead of worldly vices. While we will all struggle, there's no doubt we live in a fallen world, and we will all struggle with temptation throughout our lives. But we are also given a choice to say no to sin. Say no to sin and yes to godly character. But what does godly character look like in the life of a believer? And the best way uh, to go about this, I figured, is to look at what uh, vices or how vices are defined uh, as wickedness in the Bible. So I made a list. I'm going to give you two. There's many. I have a list of eight. I'm going to give you two of them. All right. First, Mark 7, 21 and 22, and then Romans 1, 29 through 31. And we're going to read that one. It says, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, Evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, (laughs) unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful. Quite a list, my word. All right, these are, or this is a list of worldly vices. All right, and that's one list I have eight. That's one of those scripture references. That's crazy. But on the flip side, worldly vices, worldly vices into um, virtues. I'm going to give you two. Romans 12, 9 through 21. All right, and we're going to go Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And these are things like the fruit of the Spirit. All right, that are heavy on and largely on uh, our character. Or we are to put off sin and put on righteousness. All right. How we conduct ourselves, and this is what we need to really have ingrained into our heads, how we conduct ourselves is massive. It is huge, especially as a professing Christian. How we conduct ourselves is huge. And um, what we give ourselves over to can either really hurt us, hurt us continually, or really help us grow in holiness to the Lord. Point three. Point three. Holiness looks like a clean conscience. A clean conscience? Yeah, a clean conscience. Think about it. Did you think about it? That was your conscience. I'm just saying, that was your conscience, all right? 
the little voice that's in your head, all right, the little voice in your head, all right, that helps you with direction, decision-making. Your conscience helps you with your ability to discern between right and wrong. All right, one of the greatest things about being justified, right, we talked about just as if I'd never sinned, is I can now stand with the Lord with a clean conscience. I can stand with a clean conscience before the Lord. That makes more sense. But we need uh, to guard and protect our minds as well. We need to guard and protect our minds to be sober-minded, to gird up the loins of our minds, per se, that we see in 1 Peter. Um, Even after we've been justified through God or by God, uh, we've got to continue to keep our minds clean and clear. And this is really important. Paul wrote that um, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God or man. I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God or man. And the conscience is our inner person. It's uh, our personal direction and decision-making. It's The conscience is where uh, we feel condemnation from the devil after we've fallen short as a believer. And it's where we feel joy when we're standing in the presence of the Lord. And we're just like, I feel you more. More spirit. Give me more spirit. <laughs> Let me last. I want to stay here forever. And that's our conscience. All right, conscience uh, is when we are convicted um, for doing something wrong or convicted for not doing something that was right, that we should have done. Uh, and it's, uh, the conscience is where we feel peace when we're in the presence of the Lord, when we feel peace. All right? And a guilty conscience tends to stop us from looking again to the Lord for forgiveness. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm just going to hide in my closet. It's a conscience. You know, and we can have that. You know? um, and then a conscience is also uh, what tells us that we need to get out of the closet and come to the Lord. That might be a poor reference. We need to make ourselves right with the Lord. <laughs> we need to come and make ourselves right with the Lord again. All right, God speaks to us through our conscience. He speaks to us through the voice in our heads. And, we, and when we ignore that voice, uh, we're in danger. Because the more you ignore it, the easier it becomes to ignore. And the further you get away, from the Lord, it's like a walkie-talkie. You take a walkie-talkie and you just run two different directions. Eventually, you're not getting that voice. It's not coming through on the walkie-talkie. And as a Christian, that's kind of like our relationship with the Lord. As we continually ignore Him in our conscience and don't do what we know is right or continue doing what we know is wrong, eventually that voice is going to become so distant that we're like, it's like SOS, like beep, 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 where it's not even distinguishable as words anymore. I don't know. Uh, what is that? What's that word called? What's Morse that? Code. It's like Morse code. Thank you. My youth are smarter than I am. It's like Morse code. <laughs> we the words aren't even distinguishable anymore. We can't neglect our conscience. All right? So don't defile your conscience, but also don't lean too much on your conscience. Now, this is important. The conscience isn't a perfect thing because people are, we're not perfect. So the conscience, or we need to be tethered to the truth of the scripture. The conscience will never replace the Bible and should never be contrary to God's word. If the voice is telling you to do something that's not biblical, it's not God's voice. 
It's the evil devil sitting on your shoulder, and you're ignoring the little angel. Right? It's not God's voice. Right? The conscience, right, it will never replace the Bible, and it will never be contrary to God's word. Right? And a clean conscience is a gift from God, and as we pursue holiness, we must listen for the voice of God. We must listen for that voice as we renew ourselves in the word as we seek after Jesus and as we let his voice speak, we got to listen to it. And that voice will not lead us into temptation and it will deliver us from evil. Four, holiness looks like obedience to God's commands. Holiness looks like obedience to God's commands. All right. Anybody ever heard uh, the saying that God's more interested in a relationship than rules? Me. I've heard that. All right. That's not completely accurate All right. because God is the holy, just ruler. All right. So for an example, when God pulled out the Israelites from Egypt, which is a reference from the world, he pulled them out and set them apart into the wilderness and then gave them the law. Then he gave them the law. So he pulled them out, made them distinguished as his people, and then gave them the law. And these commandments are meant to do great things for us in our relationship. They're not meant to stifle our relationship, but they're meant to protect the relationship, seal it, and define it. Protect, seal, and define our relationship. In the same way, uh, a husband loves his wife. Or a life, life, a wife loves his, her husband, all right? You'll keep your marriage vows to be faithful for as long as you both shall live. And this demand for faithfulness doesn't hurt the marriage relationship. Demand for faithfulness does not hurt the marriage relationship, but it helps it grow and it promotes strength and health in that relationship. In the same way, God gave us rules to grow in our relationship with him and to define it in our lives, to make it distinct and known. All right? And then five, in closing today, holiness looks like Christ-likeness. Holiness looks like Christ-likeness. The whole goal to our salvation is that we should be conformed to the image of God. That's the whole goal, is to let us be conformed to the image of God. And everything we do, every step we take, every breath we take, every word we speak, everything that we do, all right, is for, all right, should be and is for the glory of God, all right? If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is the indescribable God translated into human understanding. Oh, hey. Jesus is the indescribable God translated into human understanding. <laughs> all right, and he's to be our model. We see in Jesus the best, most practical, most human example of what it means to be holy. Let me explain and let me show you. Dude, this is wonderful, wonderful life for the life of a believer. He is our model for love. He is our model for humility. He is our model for facing temptation and going through suffering. All right? He is our model for our obedience to God, and we see all the virtues of holiness perfectly come together in his life. All right? He was always gentle, but never soft. He was bold, 
but never rude, nosy, or overbearing. He was pure and never prude or prudish. He was full of mercy, but not at the loss of justice. He was full of truth, but not at the expense of grace. Amen. That's awesome. He was in everything submissive to God, and he gave everything for his sheep down to his life. He gave it all. He gave it all. He obeyed his parents, and he kept the law of God. All right? He forgave his enemy, and he never lusted. He never coveted. He never lied. Jesus, Jesus, with his life, loved God, loved his neighbor, and he loves us. He loves us, and he calls us to be with him and to walk with him in holiness. So this is, I say, like my anthem. And hopefully you would grab onto it as well. You know, Jesus is our firm foundation. He is my firm foundation. He is my holiness. All right. And on him, I will build my life. I'll stick my flag post in the ground with Jesus. (laughs) On him, I will build my life until I stand face to face in complete perfection. Let's pray.